Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. rabbi. We take it as given that the characters in Tanakh, the people in these stories, are imperfect. Even the greatest of them, Moshe Rabbeinu, hits the rock, and we see that he too is subject to anger, though perhaps for different reasons and in different ways than we are. And for most of them, it's pretty subtle. Avraham maybe is a bit too overreaching with his chesed. Maybe Yitzchak is a little too overreaching with his gevura. But with David HaMelech, with King David, his Yitzhah is so blatant. It's so there for us to read about and to see. This is not a subtle Yitzhah This is a man who sleeps with another man's wife and then has the man killed. We all know the story. David sees Batsheva on the roof. She's beautiful. He asks who she is. She's Batsheva. She's the wife of Uriah. He has her brought to his palace. He sleeps with her. He sends her home. She's pregnant. He does everything he can to cover up that reality by trying to frame it such that it will at least seem like she is pregnant from her husband, Uriah. It fails. He sends Uriah back to the front lines to have him killed. He brings Batsheva to his house and marries her. And of course, it's not hard to see that this is ill-advised. Of course, we, the reader, are not the only people to notice the wrongness of what it is that David HaMelech has done. God, the Holy One, notices as well and sends the prophet Natan to David rather than directly accuse David of committing these terrible sins. Natan provides an opportunity for David to judge himself and he does so in the form of a case, as it were. He brings a case to David so that David can decide what to do. And the case is that there's a wealthy man who has many sheep. And there's a poor man who has only one sheep. And a guest, a visitor, a traveler visits the rich man. And rather than use one of his sheep in order to provide food and a meal for this guest, for this visitor, he steals the poor man's sheep and slaughters it and serves it to the visitor, to the traveler. And when David hears this, he's indignant, and he judges the man, he says, this man should die, and he should pay it back 40-fold. And then Natan and Navi, Natan, the prophet says, that's you. You're that guy. You have so many wives. And yet, you take the wife of this man who has only one wife, and she's so beloved to him. And David says, you're right. Chatati. I have sinned. And then David goes on to write a beautiful psalm. Psalm 51, which contains... A confession, right there in the title of the song, as many psalms have titles here, the Matzeach Mizmor, the David, to the conductor, a song from David, Bevoy lav Natan Navi, when Natan the prophet came to him, Kasher Ba El Batshava, after he had come to Batshava, after David had had that rendezvous with Batshava. And in this psalm, there are all manner of beautiful language in which David asks God to please remove his sin from him, to clean him, to cleanse him. He knows, he knows that he has this capacity inside of himself. He knows that he is likely or able to slip up in this way and he's asking God to help him and to change him, to help him grow and to help him move forward. 
and amidst these deep and beautiful and sincere and eloquent pleas that he prays to the Holy One. He says, Leif Tahora Berali Elohim. Please, God, create a pure heart in me. And renew within me a proper spirit. This one line from David Melech packs quite a punch and contains, in addition to being a powerful model of how us flawed humans might turn towards the divine and ask for help in the difficult work that we have to do. In addition to that, it contains interesting information about the situation that we're in, the parameters of the challenge that we face, the location or locations, as it were, of the work that we need to do, of the kind of help that we need, and of the level of help that we need. David Amelech identifies the locus of the challenge or of the problem in his heart and also in his ruach, in his spirit. He believes that he needs a lev tahor, to have a pure heart, a heart that is unmitigated by complications, as it were, a heart that is clear and directed, intent and fastidious. And he knows he needs a ruach nachon, he needs a proper spirit. But what is perhaps more interesting here is that he thinks that the heart that he has right now and the ruach that he has right now can't be fixed. He needs new ones. Berali Elohim, create for me, God, a lev tahor, a pure heart. And chadesh bikirbi, renew within me a ruach. This is not modify. This is not remove a foreskin of this is something from nothing. This is a new start. And assuming that David Amelech is not wishing for something fancifully, but he is praying for something that he believes is real and achievable, we can know from this that hearts are not something that march along consistent, linear building from one stage to another, from one moment to another. Rather, Hearts are things that can be renewed. We can get a new heart. We can have heart transplants, as it were. And when we get these new hearts, we're wanting hearts that are tahor, hearts that are uncomplicated, untainted. And we also know that we need deep help in doing this work. So in this moment of confession, in this beautiful moment, this exemplary moment, provided by one of our greatest heroes, David HaMelech, who has fallen lower and acted in ways that I hope that none of us can really imagine. Stealing another man's wife and then having her husband killed as the king, using his power. But in doing this, in presenting this, David HaMelech teaches us a new lesson about the Yetzirah and the rabbis in the Talmud, in the passage, in Sukkah, that we've been reading, see this as the third name of the Yitzharah. And they say, David Kra'o Tame. David called the Yitzhar Tame. Tainted. Corrupted. But David didn't say that. 
He didn't name that directly. Rather, the rabbis draw this conclusion by inference. They quote this verse, Lev Tahor Beradi Elohim, create for me, God, a pure heart. Because there's such a thing as a pure heart, it must be that there's a thing called a tamay heart, a corrupted or tainted heart. And there's a deep lesson even in the very way that the rabbis learn this. The way that the rabbis infer, because David HaMelech asks for a pure heart, it must be that there's something called a tamay heart. Even this process is reflected in the fact that tahara, purity, doesn't seem to be an initial phase that a person would go through. It doesn't seem to be an original state that a person would be in that would then become corrupted. Rather, it seems that from a place of being corrupted, of becoming corrupted by Tum'ah, that would then require work to become Tahor. Again, Tahor, to become Tahor, to be made Tahor, is something that happens once something has become or has been made Tameh. So every instance of Tum'ah that we see in the Torah, when a person becomes Tameh mate, when a person comes in contact with a dead body in a particular way, that person becomes Tameh and then must become Tahor, must be purified through the ritual of the red heifer, whereby the ashes of a purely red cow are combined with well water and are sprinkled on this person on the third day and on the seventh day, and then that person is able to enter the temple. We see that person who becomes Tameh when they get Tzarat, when they get that spiritual skin disease, which comes about, most people agree, because of Lashon Hara, and a person is kicked out of the camp, and they are Tameh. And then that person, in order to come back into the camp, becomes Tahor through a process that requires taking two birds and killing one bird and dipping the one living bird in the blood of the dead bird and sending it out on the field, and then a whole elaborate set of rituals that comes about in order to make this person Tahor. Even a person who, a woman who goes through her menstrual cycle, a man who has a seminal emission, there are other ways that a person becomes Tameh, and those people have to go through a ritual where they then become Tahor. They have to go to the mikvah or whatever it may be, and then that person becomes Tahor again. So, so Tahor, Mikhal Dika Tameh. Tahor, because a person has become Tameh, because there's a reality called Tameh, therefore there must be a reality called Tahor. Or in reverse, because we see that there is a process called Tahor, it must be that there's a reality called Tameh. And this David Amelch names as the reality of the Yitzhahara. This is what he wants to teach us about the Yitzhahara. And so he and the rabbis, by extension, want us to know that a heart can become Tameh, a heart can become tainted, a heart can be negatively affected by a situation or by a circumstance to the point where it does not then allow the owner of that heart to participate in certain relationships, like the tumah that doesn't allow a person to go into the temple, like the tumah of the mitzora, the skin disease person that doesn't allow them to go into the community, like the tumah of a woman in her menstrual cycle that doesn't allow her to be connected to her husband, like the tumah of a man who has a seminal emission that doesn't allow him to participate in certain rituals. These tumot these taints, these corruptions prevent further relationship. They prevent openness. They prevent contact. They prevent dynamic interaction and relationship. And they need to be addressed. And one thing you may notice about Tumah is that some of it is inevitable and some of it is not inevitable. For example, death is inevitable and people are generally speaking required to, for example, attend the funeral or to go through the funerary rites 
the tahara, the process where the dead body is, is passed through the mikvah and various other rituals to prepare it for death. Tuma, obviously, of the menstrual cycle is a natural cycle that is not meant to be avoided in any way and is therefore not bad in any way. Seminal omissions, not even one that comes about negatively, but one that comes about through the simple interaction that a person might have with their partner in a totally legitimate and sanctioned way that would bring about a seminal omission also is just a part of life. These are tumaot. These are corruptions or taints that come about directly because of the natural cycle of things. And then there are other tumot, like the tuma of the mitzorah, the person who spoke Lashon Hara and therefore is not allowed to participate in the community and in society. And the tuma that David Melch is talking about, we can't claim that this is natural. And yet, in a certain way, it is oriented in the same way that a natural tuma might come about in the sense that once it has happened, the next step is to pursue tahara rather than a person saying, I am so bad. I spoke Lashon Hara. I'm out of the community. I am kicked out forever. I am exiled. I am not allowed ever to be introduced back into the community. That person would pursue the process called tahara. Similarly, David Amelech, having done something awful that was his fault, still yet, he sees in himself, and he sees for himself, a process of Tara, a process whereby he would like to regain the capacity to participate in certain levels and kinds of relationship that is only possible through Tara, and he would like to pursue Tara. And this in itself is a beautiful expression of our tradition and its relationship to sin. It does not see sin and mistake as some kind of final end but rather it is it becomes a part, again, of a process continually orienting ourselves towards Tahara, towards opening again and being available again for relationship again. And even though, and this is one of the great challenges, even though we see ourselves and we see the mistakes that we've made, we're called upon to not be seduced or tricked by the narrative that it's over somehow. We orient ourselves again towards Tahara. And yet we see, because we know ourselves so real and so clearly, we see what we're capable of. We see the mistakes that we can make. We see the insidious tendencies that continue to exist within us. We know, like David HaMedech, like King David, we know that what we need is not simply a modification. We're aware that there's an entire system that pushes us towards these kinds of actions in whatever parallel way to David's mistakes with Batsheva and with Oria, we see that there's a system that pushes us towards those kinds of actions. And therefore we understand that we need higher order help. We need help that's going to take us out of this system that produces these kinds of actions. So David Melch has to ask God for help. This Tahara is not something that can happen. It can't be generated by our minds. It can't be generated by specific linear human actions that we can take. We know that Tahara comes from beyond. These beautiful, incredible actions, as you look at all the different ways that Tahara is brought to a person, all those biblical examples that I gave, they're beyond. When I come in contact with death, I need to take the ashes of a cow and well water and sprinkle these things. This is not a human action that I'm taking. When a person outside the community, because they have tzarat and they want to come back in, they need to have these birds, and one bird is killed and dipped in the blood of the other bird. This is things that are beyond. When a person has to go to the mikvah, mikvah is beyond. Mikvah is not some normal thing that I can do. This is not a medicine that I can take. This is not ibuprofen. This is something that lives on another order. And we know that in order for us to move forward in this way, we need to access another order. We need to ask for help from another level. 
that can take us out of the system and of the level that we are on right now. And so David Melch has to ask God, create for me a new heart. Do that for me. Do something for me that I can't do for myself. Like the red heifer, like the birds, like the mikvah. I need that level of cleansing and redirection in order to find and to hold on to and to regain that sense of tahara, to have that in my heart so that I can move forward. Thank you. David Hamelech.